We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur Podcast. You asked, we answered. On this week's episode, we have some burning questions that came in from our amazing customers. Stay tuned for Anthony's expertise and insight coming up right now. All right, you ready to jump in with some customer questions? And there you go. Okay. How to talk to your vet about feeding raw. It's a good one. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. Yeah, it's interesting. Literally just got the phone with Dr. Carlson. Shout out to Lifetime Pet Wellness. Shout out to Lifetime. So my first piece of advice here. So this question is from Tiffany. Fortunately, Tiffany, you live close enough. You're here in central Ohio, so you can you can actually jet on over to Lifetime Pet Wellness Center and you don't have to worry about uh, having this you know conversation with your vet because they are very pro-feeding fresh food, which sounds like an insane thing to say. Like, why is it so hard to find a veterinarian that's actually for feeding fresh food, right? Because they'd be the last physicians on earth to recommend highly processed food over fresh food, which is a crazy thing. But so the, the first thing is we want to support vets who are um, advocating for real food for our pets, right? So um, if you can, I'd say, you know, uh, seek holistic vets or, or vets who are at least educated in, in nutrition for our canines and felines. So you know, we, we often talk about Dr. Carlson and, and Dr. Loffman at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center here in Columbus. And there's there's lots of other vets too, really popular, famous vets who are very pro-raw food. So you have Dr. Judy Morgan and Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Judy Jasek, Dr. Ian Billinghurst. He's from Australia, so you're going to have a hard time getting to him. But um, there's a lot, I guess my point is there's a lot of veterinarians out there who are supportive of, of feeding fresh food. So seek them out first, and we obviously want to support them. But I have a lot of people that say they they don't feel comfortable or they're worried about telling their vet that they're feeding raw food. Or some people tell me that, you know, they've they told their vet and their vet just scolded them or even the vet techs will will scold them. And I, I laugh because there's I've never heard a good reason to not feed raw and then the reasons that they're giving, they they don't actually make sense. They don't match up to the data that that we see. So I always tell people like just be honest. Tell your vet, don't hide it from them. And if they're not if they're not okay with it, no problem. Go see a different vet. And and there's there's gonna be someone around you that that is pro fresh food. I, I, it's ridiculous to think that it wouldn't be. But so I would say that you know speak calmly and confidently, confidently, and let them know that you're doing the following. You're feeding a food that is real. It's fresh. It's human grade. Um, it's sourced responsibly from farmers that are humanely raising their animals, from farmers that 
you know, or yielding crop that is not genetically modified and, and ridden glyphosate. Let them know that you're feeding a food that is produced using sustainable farming practices to help maintain ecosystems and, and create less of a, a harmful impact on the earth. Let them know you're feeding a food that is being regularly tested for contaminants. You're feeding a food that is being regularly tested for its nutrient levels. You're feeding a food that is synthetic free. So if you're feeding these brands like we sell, like uh, Steve's and Small Batch and Answers and Northwest Naturals, you're feeding a food that there's no synthetics because all of the vitamins and minerals are um, present in the food, which is how it should be. So all the nutrient levels are there all the nutrients are coming from natural sources, so from real food. So no, no synthetics are needed. And by the way, if, when you see synthetics in the, in the ingredient list, that's how you know it's not a good food. You're feeding a food that's biologically appropriate according to our pet's physiological and biological needs. So it's more bioavailable than any processed food could ever be. You're feeding a food that is not only AFCO approved, which in my own humble opinion doesn't mean too much, but you're also feeding a food that meets the NRC standards or the Nas- National Research Council standards. So you're, you're feeding a food that is, is meeting the, the criteria for, for high standards. So, and ask them if, if any of the foods that they recommend, in air quotes, meet any of these criteria. Um, I can 100% tell you right now that they, the, only, the only criteria in this whole list that I just listed that their foods are Royal Canaan or Hills or whatever, Purina, they're only going to meet one of these criteria, and it's that they meet AFCO standards, which I already said are low standards of pet food, pet feed, I should say. So that that's the big thing to me. All their foods, so what, what I've just listed, like none of their foods will match that criteria. If you're feeding one of these companies I just said, so Hansers and, and Steve's, Small Badge, Bones & Co., companies like this, Northwest Naturals, like you're, these, these companies are meeting all these standards. It's just... I mean, I don't know what they can say in response to that. So, but it will tell them that, hey, you're, you've done your research. You're feeding a very quality food. You're feeding a very safe food. The, the biggest thing I hear from vets is that raw food can, is, they're, they're worried about contamination. Um, and I, we've talked about this previously, but just know that 98% of the recalls in this country for pet food have come from dry pet food. Okay, so not raw food. Uh, any kind of fresh food, 98%. It's an insane amount of dry pet food has been recalled over salmonella, E. coli, listeria, uh, high levels of glyphosate and mycotoxins. I mean, the list goes on and on. It is extremely, extremely toxic food for the most part. I mean, there's a few companies that are doing it better than most, but food is medicine. It's not poison. Yeah. And to piggyback on Anthony, you know, ask questions, do your research knowledge is power and go with your gut. I mean, these are your pets. We had a kind of a similar situation come up with a pediatrician recently. And had we not known just to ask a question, we would have been doing something that we didn't have to do. So it's just, you know, asking those important questions is just key. Yeah. And I think just being honest, I don't, I don't like the route that people take of just not telling your vet that they're feeding raw food. I think the vet should know. They should know everything about that animal if they're evaluating it so be honest and if, if they don't like what they hear there's plenty of other options yeah yeah you'll find one that that will work and like i said if you're in central ohio we i know for a fact i mean we have we have them here so um you can always reach out to us and we mm-hmm. can try to find so this is a really good question um just you know how, how how do we talk to vets about you know what what we feed our pets especially when we're feeding uh 
fresh food or, or raw food. It's such a good question that I, we're going to actually, instead of having to go back to the previous podcast, we're going to put it right here in this podcast. And it's our conversation with Dr. Jim Carlson from Lifetime Pet Wellness Center here in Columbus. Um, he's very uh, pro fresh food and, and raw food, but um, it's a good conversation. I think it's worth um, listening to again. Stop guessing what's being added to your pet's food. Feed your pet food made from the freshest and healthiest ingredients found in Steve's Real Food. Every Steve's formula is pH balanced and uses only 100% natural, high-quality USDA-inspected free-range meats and unprocessed whole and functional foods. Steve doesn't contain any synthetic supplements or ingredients that can't be identified on the ingredient label. Plus, it's loaded with beneficial bacteria from goat milk. We know that what you choose to feed your pet is just as important as what you choose to feed yourself, which is why Steve's Real Food is formulated for optimal health that exceeds AFCO minimums. Steve's is not only great for your pet, but great for the environment. Your pet's food is manufactured by using hydroelectric power and sold to you in a fully recyclable package. Be sure to take advantage of the frequent buyer club. Buy 12 bags of Steve's Real Food, get one free. See how much better your pet will feel after just a few weeks on Steve's Real Food. Find out more in the podcast show notes. Well, welcome, Dr. Carlson. <laughs> uh, it's great to have you. Um, good to be here. Yeah, uh, I'm. We're thrilled to have you. We've, um, you know, you've been a huge part of our success at Fangs and Fur. I mean, I could preach this stuff all day, but when you're when the veterinarian actually tells the person, you know, feeding fresh, it sounds so weird to say like that. That's so controversial, but <laughs> but but when your veterinarian tells you, yeah, you should look into feeding fresh food. It's, it's, it comes from a whole different place. So you've been a huge part of our, our, our success in the last couple of years. So now you're onto our podcast. So we couldn't appreciate it more. Well, I have to say, uh, thank you. The, the same way for us, because we get so much better, uh, response in our pets when I send them to you and get them on the raw food. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it goes, to- goes both ways. Absolutely. It's been a really good relationship. I mean, it's funny how often we talk about you <laughs> at the shop, which is different customers. Or um, Anthony at home good about yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big fan. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, it, it's kind of stressful. It was kind of stressful when we first moved here and trying to find um, a veterinarian that aligned with us. Um, and I think a lot of people have that have that issue. You know, I didn't find you right away. It was, it was a customer that had mentioned you, hmm. which is kind of an interesting story because yeah. she actually had she had another veterinarian here in Columbus tell her she was asking questions about a prescription diet that they had given her. And she had, she had done her research and she was looking at the ingredients and a guaranteed analysis and all these things. And she's like, just, this doesn't make sense to me. And she started asking the questions and actually good for this veterinarian. Cause he was like, you know, with the, given the questions that you're asking, you should go talk to Dr. Carlson. <laughs> and that's how, and, and now, I mean, fast forward to, you know, a year later, her dog is thriving right now. You know, it did a complete 180. So, yeah, it's amazing the things we see with raw food. You, you prefer raw food or fresh food? <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know. Fre- fresh food is like for people who are like new to it. I, f- I feel like raw food can be kind of intimidating. You know what I mean? And I agree. So, That's actually a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I'll say, I'll say species appropriate food. And I mean raw food. We even mm-hmm. say, like, we have gently cooked foods, um, which I still think are better mm-hmm. alternatives than obviously some others. So I don't know, before, before we jump into the interview, I've always, there's always been something I wanted to ask you. Um, I've never had the chance to, you know, with someone like yourself, who's so, so, you know, specialized and so good at what they do, so passionate about what they do. I've always wondered like, what, where did this come from? Like, how did you, were you one of those people that always knew you wanted to be a veterinarian? Like at four, you, you know, 
friends that want to be a fireman and, and they turn out to be firemen <laughs> like were you was that like immediate or was this that it's something happened down the you know down the road no i've i've always liked animals you know when we were growing up we always had irish setters that my mom raised for show and but i can't say it really developed until really until high school in in junior high or middle school i did a i, I was going to be an, a navy pilot <laughs> that's what i did my report on navy pilot okay so then I went into high school and decided I was going to be a veterinarian. And then I had a chemistry professor who I, I really liked, but he talked me out of it saying it was too hard to get into vet school. It's harder to get into vet school than it is uh, medical school. So I went. Is that true? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't so. Yeah. It's so, so I went, still went the pre-med route. So I was okay. going to go pre-med with all my friends. And then about uh, end of sophomore year, I called... Ohio State and got their their you know entrance stats and I was right in the middle. Yeah. So I said, "All right, I'm back yeah. on," and it just went from there. Man, you sound like a really like you were a really responsible high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get out of high school like at us. that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's good to know. I well, I'm hey, I'm incredibly thankful that you did decide to to, to become a veterinarian because it's it's been obviously beneficial to well, especially Mozzie. 1993, you graduated from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Looking back over your your education there, how do you feel about your experience, I guess, with nutrition, like the way it was taught and what it, what was taught? Well, it was brought to you by Hills. Still is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hills, Hills and Yukonuba, I think. Uh -huh. are the, yeah. So they teach you what they think is right using the kibble. Right. But you won't hear anything, and especially back then in 93, I don't even, I don't even know if, Raw food was really a concept at, at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think but, uh, there wasn't any commercial raw yeah. food out there. I think Steve's was one of the first in 98, so yeah. 98, yeah. We we carried all the science diet products and all sure. that. And it wasn't until later until I started getting an interest in the integrated medicine where I really looked at it. How did that come to be? I had a partner. before. Well, before he was my partner, I worked for him, and he said he what he wanted to do was have every doctor have his, his or her niche. So I had... Talked to some people about some integrative medicine, and I decided to kind of go that route. And then actually, his wife bought me a book on integrative medicine. It was it, it was simple, you know, because it was still kind of an that was also still early concept. Yeah, but it just kind of started from there and just grew. There wasn't one thing that was kind of like you know what this isn't. I'm not getting the results I want, or it's just kind of like over time you had an interest in maybe a, a an alternative way of doing things. Well, it could be both because I when I started. The interest was there, so I started developing it. But then I, I realized that I didn't want to have these pets coming in that had the, the two-inch thick charts. You know, I'd rather have the, the patient that has the thinner chart because we've started good nutrition, good supplements prior so they don't have all those health issues. Or you don't have, you know, the pet on three drugs, and then you got to put them on another drug because of the side effects of those drugs and right. then another one. And I, I wanted patients with thinner charts. <laughs> Love that. I, th I heard somewhere like a good veterinarian is one that you don't see very often. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you know, you know, in China, the doctors work on, on keeping you healthy. You know, Preventative. If, if you, yeah. if you get sick, you find another doctor. Right. Well, uh, here's the opposite. Yeah. You, you go to the doctor when you're sick. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the, the, the drug companies and the insurance companies and the doctors yeah. stuck in that online triangle it's funny i'm actually working on getting my certification in nutrition now but they have us you know they have us use a small animal clinical 
nutrition. I heard about and, that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you Congrats. Know, the, the author is yeah. Dr. Mark Morris, which is, you know, he's the founder of Hills, uh, you know, and then he yeah. turned, and then he turned the textbook over and it says compliments of Hills. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's, it's kind of painful for me, but I shouldn't say there's no good information in there because there is, but. Well, like, what, what wasn't he, he was the one who said, uh, you, you could feed an old shoe and a like old motor oil and a piece of tire something or something like that. like that. And you, you can satisfy the AFCO standards. Standards. Was yeah. it him that said that? I knew someone said that. Someone I didn't said know it was I, him. Okay. I yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good textbook. I just, there's some things in there and I'm just like, wow. I mean, it's, there's a heavy concentration yeah. on carbohydrates and, yeah. and not as yeah. much on some of the other macronutrients, but it's funny. It does state that there is no dietary requirements for dogs or cats for carbohydrates, but. Hence it's not on any labels either. Well, yeah. You know, I tell that to people all the time. I ask yeah, them how, yeah. well, I, I ask them like, do you know how many carbohydrates are in your, in your, the current food you're feeding? They're like, no, no. How do I find out? I'm like, well, look at your bag. I kind of like to have them discover it themselves. Like, oh wait, what's, why is it not on here? Oh, it's because it's not required by law. They don't have to put it on there. Right. And they don't want you, they don't want you to know how many carbohydrates are in there. Filler. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But you know, if you take your, what is it? The, uh, the protein, the fat, the moisture and the ash, and you subtract that from hundred to get your carbohydrate count. But the sad thing is it's, you know, 40 to 60% of the diet is coming from carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. So whether that's grain or, or legumes and peas and all these other things. Mm -hmm. So when you were talking about finding your kind of your way to integrative medicine, did that kind of lead to lifetime? What's, what's the origin story of lifetime pet? We bought the practice as North Worthington pet clinic. And then while I was there, that's when I started my interest in, in integrated medicine. It started with nutritional products. Standard Process brought just a couple of boxes of I mean, feline renal support or something yeah. by. I'm going to pause you. I, I've heard I, there was a rumor that you got started on the integrative side through Standard Process. Yeah. A customer I, that I started me, with them. A, yeah. a customer told me, I think it was a customer, unless I just like dreamt this, but I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure a customer had told me that you were using. Like standard, and this this might just be completely made up. I have no idea, but that they had sent you some samples, or they were you were starting to use a small amount of, of standard processes, you know, whole. So what they what they're, they're essentially like whole food vitamins, right? They're not using right. synthetics or anything like that. They put a very small amount of synthetics in to guarantee the FDA label on it, because then you know when you're being, dealing with natural products, biological sure. products, you can't always guarantee it's going to have so many milligrams of. Sure. The vitamin C complex or whatever you. in there. So they, they will put, but it's small very small amounts. amounts. Small yeah. amounts. Very small amounts. The meat of it's coming from natural, it's yeah. a natural source. Yeah. 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 So that you're starting to use these, the, the standard process and you saw such good results with, with, I guess the whole food source vitamins and, and glandulars and things mm -hmm. like that, that you're like, whoa, like maybe feeding real food would be a better alternative. <laughs> yeah, it started, well. Dream or? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it started, so I had those boxes, and they, they sat there for probably a few weeks. And then I said, uh, I, I had to actually have a hernia surgery. I'm not a guy who likes downtime. So I actually <laughs> called Tim Ban, who ran Standard Process, who runs okay. Standard Process of Ohio, and he came over while I was recuperating, showed me the products, and... I said, do you have anybody who... Was this to help you, like, recover? Yeah. No, no, oh, okay. just just for the practice. Okay. But I just, I hate downtime. Right, so right. You can only read so much of the ring, you know. Right, <laughs> right, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I said, do you have anybody who uses a lot of your products? And he said, yeah, I know a guy, 
you know, Bob Gaston down in Cincinnati. So my wife and I went down there and saw him and, and he talked about the products and how much success he had with them. And, and it just kind of went from there. So we ended up oh, okay. building our, our stores of the standard process, using it more. Dr. Gaston started lecturing for standard process. And I went to one of his lectures and um, Ron Karsten was there who actually developed all the veterinary formulas. And we all went out to lunch and that turned into my signing up for acupuncture. Nice. And I learned that. And then yeah. I went that and and Dr. When was Gaston that? uh 2005. Okay. So it's yeah. So back when it was still considered kind of voodoo. Yeah, that and it, <laughs> Well, I, now it's but now you see it in all kinds of traditional veterinary offices. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of went from there and then that that ended up meeting, you know, uh, led me to meeting a lot of people doing chiropractics. So I got certified in that and then just yeah. kind of snowballed. Build, built from there. I don't think I've ever used it. Standard process is for both humans and yeah. and animals. Yeah. yeah. Actually, when we do the nutrition response testing, we almost always start on the human side first because the veterinary products are much more broad-based, So, which is what I would always use. But until the, we started doing the muscle testing, yeah. they test for the finer-tuned human products better. Okay. And then then a lot of them will switch over to those for maintenance long-term. Can you explain that, the, the muscle testing? I, I think that's a new, I, I think a lot of people that are going to listen to this aren't going to have any idea what that is. <laughs> but I know it's, and I, I do want to talk about it because it is, I know you use it for a lot of your customers. And I, I've seen this, I've seen this success on my end with when they come in, you know, yeah. when we try to, um, you know, simplify their diets and, and find the right things for them to to use. Yeah. So I think it's important to at least, it's probably a whole podcast, honestly, but could could be could be for sure. It's it's probably the wackiest thing that we do. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, because you're you're basically connecting to the nervous system of the pet and 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 the electrical fields and all that. It's mm-hmm. it's it. So it's kind of a combination of neurology and and energy medicine, but using the strength of someone's muscle to test for the supplements to see if they're good or not. Right, and and also helps us determine uh, what we call the uh, barriers of healing. So whether they're food issues or immune issues or heavy metals or chemicals or scars or something that are impeding okay. the health. Yeah. So we can help us determine that. that. Okay. And, and honestly, for I've had clients tell me for years, you need to learn how to muscle test. And I said, that that is the wackiest stuff I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, and, and then I saw somebody down in Georgia do the nutrition response testing, which is a very formatted way to do the muscle test. And I said, wow, that is really cool stuff. For some reason that well, resonated with me, but yeah, you know. down there, you know, I've, we've never, well, I guess that's not true. We did it for Foxy. Yeah. Yeah. For the heavy metals. Yeah. <laughs> found, I think he found some lead in her head, which makes, <laughs> which makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. No, we have, we have a lot of customers that have done the, the, that, the muscle testing with you. And I, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, they always tell me at first, like, I didn't know what was going on, what he was doing. Like, I knew he was doing this, but I didn't know how it worked. And then, but then, you know, you fast forward six months and all of a sudden their dog is a whole different dog, you know, for the better. So there's something to it. You guys do a lot of different things. Or you guys, I should say you guys offer a lot of services that most, a lot of some other practices do not, like like glandular therapy and, and um, acupuncture, things like that. But can mm-hmm. you kind of talk about some of those things? Well, glandular therapy, that's that's standard process. Right. Um, there are some other glandular companies that we use. Okay. But that that is based on, you know, like heals like in a sense. So if yeah. you if you have an ailing organ, you feed 
that organ. They're, yeah. feed, feed the body that organ. Right. And that, that provides the building blocks for them to hopefully repair that organ or at least keep it healthier for a longer period of time. Yeah. I kind of, you for that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I do talk about, a lot of people know about DCM and that whole thing with mm-hmm. dilated cardiomyopathy and, and the whole grain or grain-free debate. I, you know, raw food diets, I don't know if you know this, but they got conglomerated with the grain-free diets during that whole thing. Yeah, it was a terrible study. It is a terrible, terrible, yeah, well, terrible. 500 dogs over five years, right? It's like 100 dogs a year. There's 80 million dogs in the U.S., so it's like extremely inconclusive report. Yeah. With a whole lot of different possible outcomes. I don't think there's really any answers. But yeah, And you can't, you can't get a better touring source than raw food. To my point, right? Or to your point. So, like, um, we talk about DCM a lot because a lot, a lot of times people come in and they'll be like, listen, like, you know, their dog will be doing great. Like, everything's great. But they, their vet said, hey, you got to start feeding grains because of this DCM. And I'm like, well, no, like, you, <laughs> you don't, you don't at all. Um, you don't, you don't. Oh, you mean switching from legumes to the, to grains? No, no, not, not even from that. Cause then, I mean, that's somewhat arguable, right? Like, cause, yeah. cause what they found is that some of these, so in these grain free diets, grain free kibble, they're using legumes, right? And, and lentils and peas and all these things that have phytates or anti-nutrients that could be inhibiting the absorption of certain amino acids like taurine. So in that case, I'm like, all right, well, maybe, yeah, we, we can try that. You know, if you wanted to go to a grain-based uh, kibble, you know, obviously I'm always promoting the raw fresh food. And so my point is that, you know, with, with the heart, it's a disease that affects the heart, like heals like, you know, and you're feeding actual heart muscle in, in the raw food diet. You're feeding... I think the only sources of taurine are meat, organ, dairy, and seafood. So, you know, all things that we have at Fangs and Fur, but it's just an interesting debate. Like heels like, I think. And I my... didn't, they never came up with the reason as to why. No. You know, no. is is it lack of taurine? Is it something inhibiting it? Is yeah. it the, the, because it's not an essential amino acid. Yeah. So is it, is it the lack of, Precursors, methionine, and cysteine. Yeah. Methi- yeah, yeah, right. That, yeah. or or is it? Uh, I mean, is it a multifactorial? Because I guess in humans, there's a there's Genetic. a same issue that, and I I can't verify this, but yeah. it was from someone else who reported it that yeah. said that humans have with low protein diets, and there's an, some other excess nutrient in combination created dilated cardiomyopathy. Oh, interesting. In humans, okay. so so it might be multifactorial. Yeah, that, why that, there that's is a why good, that was so terrible. There is a good argument about you know people that are feeding because the grain free diets are usually the boutique diets, right? The, the more expensive ones, the higher end ones, and so people that are feeding, you know, grocery store bought grain based kibble, are feeding. Obviously, those are lower cost dry foods, right? And those people might not have the money to take their dogs to the vet when they're having these issues. So how many of those went unreported as well that were on grain? And then, of course, the whole sure. genetic component. You know, some dogs, some breeds are just kind of predisposed to it. Right. Feeding, you know, in my opinion, feeding a fresh food diet that has, you know, a, a healthy amount of taurine in it. You're not, I don't want to say you don't have to worry about it, but it's probably your best bet to avoid it. Right. It, well, it's, it just seems logical. What? Just raw food in general? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a whole episode in itself, <laughs> too. But it is crazy. You know, there's still a lot of... Um, there's still a lot of vets in Columbus that are very, I mean, I can't tell you, I, I, every, at least every week I hear someone that is looking for a vet that's at least going to be open to them feeding raw food. And it just, it blows my mind. I mean, I have had people in tears and, and fangs and fur just mm-hmm. being like, I, 
the vet, they were so mean and they were like, you're killing your dog and like all this thing, all these things. I don't know. Well, I think you've got the major, the American Animal Hospital Association, the, the, I think maybe the, even the AVMA, you know, doing studies or, or putting out information against it. So that's what all the veterinarians are hearing. Right. When they, you know, and, and, and on a flip side, there, there really wasn't a whole, there weren't a whole lot of studies that could prove that raw food sure. was good until the recent ones. Dog risk. Came out of, right, yeah. out of the Helsinki. Yeah. That study was really cool. At least in our business, there's a lot of people like, well, I want to see the proof, you know. Mm-hmm. For a lot of raw feeders, it's like, well, I mean, it's all anecdotal. It's like, look, my dog, I look at Mozzie, he's 10 years old. He's got, he's never had any teeth pulled. He's got perfect teeth. He's still jumps over my head for a Frisbee and he's, you know, still in really good health. And it's like, you know, he's better, he's doing better than half, you know, dogs half his age. We don't need the proof per se, but there's a lot of people who are transitioning that, you know, this is a whole new concept to them and they want to see the proof. So there is uh, Dr. Anna Anna Bjorkman out of uh, University of Helsinki in Finland. I actually saw her talk, speak in Chicago. She does, she's there for the Dog Naturally Summit. It's kind of cool. They took, um, they took four segments of dogs. I think they took they took dogs that were fed kibble and stayed on kibble, dogs that were fed kibble that went to raw, raw to um, kibble, and kibble to raw. So four different ones. But what they found was that they're measuring a lot of disease markers, but homocysteine was like the big one. And I think it was a 10 times increase in homocysteine. It was something that you don't want in dogs that were fed kibble and stayed on kibble. And then dogs that were on raw, you know, and stayed on raw had a 10 times less of it in their systems. But then what was really cool is the dogs that went from kibble to raw yeah. had a five times decrease as well. So, yeah. you when know. When they swapped them, right? Yeah, when they swapped them. Yep. So I think, you know, the the, the study proved that, you know, feeding, and I, and I we talk about this all the time in the shop, um, just doing a little bit of raw food, even as less as, I think what her study suggested, less at, at least 20% can have a huge impact. Um, not only oh, decreasing their chance of Good. disease, but also increasing longevity. So- I always yeah. tell people it's 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 kind of dose related. Yeah, you know if you even if you can get a little bit in there, something something natural, something something that's real, not been you know cooked under high pressure and, right. and temperature. Can you share like what your clients when you start introducing or start talking about nutrition, like what is their initial reaction? Are they like I've never heard of this, or is it it's a foreign concept, or is it like oh that actually makes sense? I would say the people that come to see me, they they've already most of them are, have already heard it. That's good. So, so That's refreshing. Not, yeah, so they're not too surprised, and then yep. a, a lot of them will say, "Well, I was thinking about doing that." And I said, "I know the guy." You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> well, I think they need the confidence too when they hear you, when the when the veterinarian actually says right. it. You know, then it's like okay, because if you go online, like to your point, if you go online, you there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation about it, and so well they, they and and that was. The thing I was going alluded to earlier was the associations are you know when they discuss it they're really going after the the bacteria and, and the parasites that are potentially in raw food and mm-hmm. and and certainly that is something to have concern especially if you're making it yourself you don't hear about well you, sometimes you do but you you know what about all the recalls on the dry food that are full of E. coli or salmonella ninety eight percent ninety percent of all the salmonella E. coli and listeria recalls are from kibble. They actually did a study. I think it was the same dog risk study. Anna Workman did a study. There's over 16,000 households across the world that were feeding raw. Mm-hmm. I think at 0.02%, is either 0.2 or 0.02% had any cross-contamination, meaning that they found what made the human sick, the bacteria that's making them sick, was also present in the food. 
So it's pretty low. It's very low. This may be a question for Anthony, but feeding raw, is this something like a big company or like you said, you know, doing it on your own? I think there is like a little misinformation, you know, confusion on what that actually means. So maybe you can explain yeah, those options. I actually think this is where a lot of vets, a lot of veterinarians get a little worried too, right? Like, are you going to be meeting all the requirements? Right. The the companies that we sell, you know, they're doing third-party laboratory testing. They're doing fermentation. Some of them doing HPP. They're doing different things to ensure that there's no possible contamination in their food. Whereas if you go to the grocery store, uh, I think poultry runs at like a 10 to 15% salmonella contamination. Now that's not, obviously I, it's my belief. It's not, it's not much of a concern for the pet. They're well equipped to handle these things. But as far as like cross contamination to the human side, it can be right. a little different, but. Um. Well, and it, people ask me what I feed and I said, I, I, you know, I don't have enough time in a day to formulate the diet and make sure it's, I, I mean, I have yeah. a 13 page document from, uh, uh, a friend of mine out in New York who put that together. Who you you, you want to formulate a raw food, or mm-hmm. you know, I can give you that document, right? And it goes into specifically how to try to make it balanced. Or you could get you know Doctor um, Becker's diet, yeah, or her book, her book yeah. on diets, which is very complex. It is, yeah. Uh, her, her and Rodney Habib have a um, they have a couple uh, recipes. I I got quick recipes on YouTube that are complete and balanced. That you can make real quick. Steve Brown, are you familiar with Steve Brown? Mm-mm. He started Steve's real Steve's real food. But he's got two. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know his last name. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Karen, Doctor Karen Becker has interviewed him. Yeah. Uh, before, but um. Yeah, that, I saw the two of them speak at. Uh, oh, did at, you? Uh, Midwest. Oh yeah, wow. When was that? I no uh, no it was a holistic veterinary medical conference. Okay. Yeah. Man, I would have several loved, years ago. Loved to have seen that. But I talk about his book a lot. He's got. Unlocking the ancestral diet and see see spot live longer. But he's got recipes in both those books that are I did for a while. Yeah, I was doing DIY for a while, and I was just using his recipes. Yeah, it's a I, lot. I just I just prefer to use one that's already prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a lot. It's, you know, I'll kind of let my secret is I always tell people like if you like I'll, I'm I'm here to help you if you want to you know learn how to do a DIY like I'll give you the resources you know make yeah. sure you're make sure you're hitting everything, but I know that they're gonna it's gonna exhaust them. Yeah, it just is, and you don't actually save that much more money. And your I mean, whole it, it, kitchen looks like a science lab. Yeah, went and, wrong. yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not or, pretty. Or you know, on top of that, then if you're really going to try to save money, then you have to get into the buyers groups, and then you have to. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you got time and the gumption to do it, by all means. Yeah. Well, we but, had like a what but, a three or five hundred dollar meat grinder. Meat grinder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there's cost involved in yeah. that. Yeah. But you really liked it. That was your happy. It's fun, spot. you know. It's yeah. kind of a good way to clear your mind on a. But it takes a while. <laughs> it sounds messed up, right? I mean, it was like it looks like I just I butchered think of a lot of, a lot of animals. But I did, but yeah, I think I did the where I drew the line. I think Dylan had run in our little girl had run into the kitchen one day and grabbed like a beef kidney that was on the counter and started running around with this. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna maybe I should just start buying this stuff. But, so um, in conclusion, I, you can say that, you know, come to Fangs and Fur, we have already prepared um, diets and food that's already there for you. So yeah, you don't it, have it to not, do all of that. Yeah, yeah it's all Absolutely. in just one little, I don't want to say process, but it's in it's packaged very well. So looks yeah. like a hamburger patty. Yeah. Oh, this whole thing started with just explaining the differences between or all the things that you do differently at your practice and other practices. I think it's glandular therapy is what we were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> was the original was the original topic here. So we have we we do uh, we do acupuncture, and there's there's several theories as to why acupuncture works, but but it does. Yeah. Um. I mean, that could be what, a whole nother. Discussion. It is. Yeah. What, know, real quickly, what like what would you use that for? Like, if your dog is having kind of what kind of issues? I mostly use it for musculoskeletal stuff, but you, it can be used for internal things as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the five branches of. Chinese medicine. Yeah, because I've been thinking about doing that for Mozzie because he's just, he's always been a Frisbee dog. You know, he's got some, he lands awkwardly sometimes. Mm-hmm. He never shows any symptoms or any signs that he's uncomfortable, but I think it might be good for him. That and adjustment. Are you taking any new customers? <laughs> I can't, I don't even see you that much you're, anymore. You're not new. You just, <laughs> just ask. Yeah. I'll see if I can sneak in. See, Dr. Carlson said so. Yeah. <laughs> Glandular, you do acupuncture. Um, you do some ozone therapy, chiropractics, yeah. Do uh, ozone therapy. Yeah. Um, pulse magnetic, laser. We're adding stem cell and platelet-rich Whoa. plasma. Wow. That's really neat. Yeah. What we, exactly, we like, what exactly would you zero. use it for? Regenerative medicine. So okay. I, I, at this point, I don't even know all the things you can use it for, but it's mostly musculoskeletal. PR, platelet-rich plasma, PRP, which is a much less involved technique than getting the stem cells, I mean, that that can be used for all kinds of non-healing wounds, corneal ulcers, you know, an eye. But it's it's probably most mostly used for joint injections for, like, uh, uh, an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, that's where I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah, so we're excited. All right, so if there was, we kind of talked a little bit about this before, but if there was kind of one thing that you, if someone comes in and they're feeding, I mean, a processed food, what would be kind of the one thing or even no matter how small, the one thing that you would have the, 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 um, the person do for that, for that dog or cat's diet to help improve it? Well, I, I always tell them that my hierarchy of food is raw food, then homemade food, even, you know, if it's cooked yeah, and then, uh, canned food and then dry food. Okay. And I always say, um, supplements that I think benefit almost Everybody are, are, you know, the, the omega-3s. Yep. So the DHA, EPA, mm-hmm. digestive enzymes and probiotics. And, and those, those are, are kind of the biggest things to help any diet probably get better. Also, if you can add in some kind of natural food, yeah. whether, even if it's, you know, getting a, picking a vegetable and, and pure, you know, pureeing it or, yeah. or you know. Steaming it or. Yeah. Light, yeah. Lightly cooking it, yep. put it in there. Between, you know, fatty acids and adding those in, I think you're going to make a big difference. Yeah. That's um, very similar to what I said. We, right. We're big fans of, and some dogs I know don't tolerate um, yeah. the dairy as well as others, but we have a lot of people that feed dry food, but they also pick up a bottle of raw goat milk because oh, yeah. they're getting the moisture. I always preach it. Moisture. All these dogs in the U.S. are just so dehydrated. Um, just don't have the thirst drive like we do. So getting some moisture in their food, getting the probiotics, you know, from the goat milk is incredibly important because, you know, with kibble, it's all cooked at anywhere between, I think, like 250 to 400 degrees, so multiple yeah. times. So there's no probiotics. I think there's some companies <laughs> that are adding, like, a really low amount just to say that they have had some in right. there, but they're ineffective. Well, even if they're sprayed on at the end, yeah. the kibble's full of preservatives. right. That yeah. what's what's really left after it's sat on the shelf for a while and and then enzymes you know with the goat milk you have like the full array of digestive enzymes in there so you know really help especially those dogs that are around you know six to eight years old that are kind of starting to slow down 
I always tell people like it's, you know, their pancreas has essentially been working overtime their whole lives to break this food down, mm-hmm. produce these enzymes to break this food down. And they start just like us to have a limited capability and they'll start slowing down. Uh, the pancreas will start slowing down and not be able to break down the food like it should. And so the dog kind of suffers from that, you know, so they start slowing down. So adding those enzymes is, well, yeah, you, we talk about you start getting insulin resistance, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because 50% of their diet is carbohydrate. Yeah. You're, they're dealing with the inflammation. Mm-hmm. They're probably dealing with some leaky gut. And then where does it go after it's absorbed through the gut, to the liver? Yep. So, and I, and then the, the so the, in Chinese medicine, the orifice of the liver um, is the eyes. Okay. So, you know, you get these dogs and, and cats with the you know, chronic eye discharges. I mean, cats yeah. can, can be viral, but right. it, you also, in Chinese medicine, we think liver. Right. Or you think ears, you know, the gallbladder meridian wraps around the ear three times. Mm-hmm. So you think gallbladder, which is, you know, yep. their husband, wife. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it does so much. There's such a big, huge cascade. And then where's cancer come from? You know, right. cancer... Yeah, the, the genetic model's been one of those models that's been out for a long time, but really chronic inflammation is one of the biggest drivers precursors, precursors to, yeah. right, yeah. right. I was talking about this with, oh, we were, we were on the news the other day, and I was trying. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I hope I was, for a good reason. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> oh, well, I think so. I, you know, it was stressful, um, and we had like little earbuds awesome. and you could hear yourself talk as you were talking. It was live and it was really like you're on a two second delay. So I just remember just oh. brutal. I was just trying to like throw words out, you know, I was like, I can't just stop talking. Um, so I don't even know what I said. I'm afraid to watch it, but better you than me. Yeah. But no, what, what I was trying to say during this, during this interview was that, you know, if you, it's statistically speaking, like, you know, our dogs and cats aren't getting, they're not, their health's not improving. You know, diabetes is increased, um, obesity, um, the cancer, you're, you're talk, talking about cancer, cancer rate, I think was 1% like 60 years ago is over 60% now as of 2018, you know, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that all of these things coincide with, you know, the post-World War II era, you come out of World War II with the extrusion process and, and, you know, people, you know, the nuclear family and everyone going back to work and, you know, feeding processed food, scoop, feed, go, and look what's happened. But it's still controversial to feed raw or to feed fresh food, which blows my mind. A lot of integrative medicine, you know, was was controversial. I mean, it, well, it wasn't controversial back in the 1800s. I mean, how many hospitals did we have in the U.S. that were completely homeopathic? And now, and then, once the almighty oil tycoons discovered that you could make medicine from oil, bam! There, <laughs> there it goes they 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 go on a campaign and just um, just obliterate. Integrative medicine. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even called integrative medicine back then. The issue I've run into with integrative, at least like integrative veterinarians, because we, we lived in Santa Barbara before moving back here. And even here, um, finding integrative veterinarians, found out that they're really not integrative. I mean, I think a lot of them have that title to kind of draw people in, but I'm not like super, I mean, it was just, I guess when, when it was coming to diet, they were trying to push, you know, a certain diet on me, even though the dogs were perfectly healthy, you know, and I was just like, what, wow. What were is... they saying? Well, so Mozzie, when we moved back here, he had six months after moving back here, had like really had like this, he never had allergies. I think he was like, what, eight, at the, seven or eight at the time, you know, perfect bill of health, never had any skin allergies or food sensitivities mm-hmm. or anything. We moved back here about six months later, he just like just super inflamed. I mean, patches of hair missing is 
you know, ears, um, fur around his ears were bad. You know, his eyes were going bald. Like, it was wild. You you saw him, I think, at one point. Um, we were was, trying to open the business. We're like, okay, you're our model dog. You need to yeah. get it together. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Like, get it together. Get your shit together. Um, so I think that was why. They, they, I think they were trying to push like maybe some hydrolyzed protein or something like that. Oh. But I knew, I knew then that it was obviously had to have been environmental. You know, what I mean, because he's he had been eating the same food for years and mm. been thriving off of it. it. And I think that's yeah, I think that's what it was. And I, I just remember looking at hydrolyzed protein and some of those prescription diets. I'm like, man, and I look back on it now. I'm like, I'm so glad. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't have supported his body to heal. You know, there's there's the uh, pruritic threshold they call it. So where we're all going to have allergies to something mm-hmm. and, and they're additive to each other, but until they get to the point where they, they add, you know, they add to each other until they break over that threshold. Right. You don't right. technically have the itch. Yeah. So, but I, so I always tell people, okay, we don't really have control over what's in the environment, like all the pollens and grasses and trees and molds and uh, bed bugs. I mean, not bed bugs. Bed um, bugs. <laughs> d- dust mites. <laughs> not bed bugs. Dust, dust mites. Yeah. Um, but if there happen to be food components in there too, mm-hmm. if we add good, take those away and add good food components, we we lower that. We threshold. should lower that threshold and and make yeah. a lot of pets better. Not I mean not all of them. It's it uh, nothing fixes everything. But yeah, man, this has got to be the basis. It for helps it. a lot. Yeah. Well, what worked well, for us was we did the. Um, immunotherapy drops through you guys, hmm. through Heska. Because he was off the charts, I think, for corn pollen. So we were here back in Ohio, surrounded by cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me, out of everything. The um, thought literally crossed our minds. We're like, we're going to have to move. Like, we uh, just moved here. Well, it's an interesting <laughs> point. You know, I think here. I was listening to someone talk about uh, another veterinarian talk about allergies the other day. And, you know, if- Don't back, go to Iowa. Yeah, don't go to Iowa, yeah. Oh. To go back to the West Coast. But talking about, like, you know, if, if you had an out, like a sensitivity or some kind of environmental allergy, like back in, like, you know, ancient times or, you know, dogs in the wild, like, if they have a, an issue with an area, well, they would just move to a different area. But now you obviously don't have that option. So you got to right. kind of manage it from where you are. I know that at our store or our philosophy really is, like, when you know better, do better. Um, can you think of any customers or clients of yours, like any raw success stories that have come to you and they're, and you've talked to them about nutrition and kind of gotten them there? Well, usually it's, it's, uh, when we're, when I'm really pushing the raw food, it's, it's for that chronic allergy dog, you know, yeah, the, the dog with the yeast in the skin and it's, mm-hmm. we see the best turnarounds with, with allergies when we're able to add in raw food or, or appropriate, what'd you call it? Species appropriate, species appropriate raw foods, foods. yeah, and um, and and fatty acids. Well, we see, we see a lot of yeast. Uh, that's a big one here, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know how many dogs have leaky gut. Probably more than we'd like to think. Yeast is a big one that I see. Yeah, and it's it's always dogs that are on kibble, right? Because all those processed carbohydrates converting to sugar and what feeds right. off sugar is, yeah. is the yeast. Also, I've noticed that a lot of dogs that are on like chronic, I don't want to say chronic, but some, some dogs are, but they, um, just on Rick repeated rounds of antibiotics will get yeast infections because those antibiotics are just wiping out all the good and healthy or good and bad bacteria, but leaving the fungus or leaving the yeast there. And so it just proliferates, you know, but raw food, obviously, I mean, that's one of the, we've, we've helped a lot of dogs 
get away from yeast issues just by transitioning them, not even putting them on any protocols or anything, just by putting them on raw food. And, and I think one of the things that I learned early on was you, you have to be patient mm-hmm. too. You're, you're not going to see things overnight. Yep. You, you want to, mm-hmm. you don't like to see your pet scratching his or her skin right. off. Yep. Um, but it, it does take a while if you just stick with it. You know, I mean, most people will see results. I think they, I've heard it takes about a year or sorry, a month for every year they've yeah. had the issue somewhere around there. I always tell people, give it a month and you should see at least some progress. I'm going to say it's going to be resolved, but you should see some progress in about a month, month and a half. It's tough. The world, the, you know, Western civilization, we all want, we have prescription pills, take it, we're, you know, good. You know, the issue's solved, or at least there's a Band-Aid on the issue, you know. But, yeah, a lot of us don't have the patience for it. I mean, giving a dose of steroids is, boy, that can be really fast, but. Yeah. You're, you're just covering it up. Like you said, it's the right. Band-Aid and you're not curing anything. Exactly. Yeah. This won't be the last time we hear from you, right? You're going to come back? Sure. That's a yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Can you um, tell our listeners how to find you? You can look at www.lifetimepetwellness.com. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. <laughs> I look at my wife for that. <laughs> We know it all. It's called Meta now. Yeah. Facebook. Oh, yeah. I heard that. They changed your name. Awesome. It's official. I think so, because on Instagram, it says Instagram from Meta. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. We do have the question, which I think, Dr. Carlson, you could probably weigh in on as well. Um, So we had a question um, from one of our customers. And surprisingly enough, I think Anthony has heard this quite a few times in the store, but... Serious question for you and your husband, based on your recent Instagram story. Our shepherd has allergies um, from food and environment, et cetera, and used to get chronic ear infections slash hotspots. We switched him to hydrolyzed protein food with 24 milligrams of Apoquil a day, and that helped. That was when he was about a year old. At two and a half years, he started getting, I'm going to butcher it, furuncles. Pretty close. Yeah, something (laughs) that you don't want on his paws really bad. Vet says they are totally normal, can come and go, and gave us some more scripts. They didn't work. We want to feed him raw, but from what we've been told by three different vets, his main issue is how to digest protein. I am 100% ignorant when it comes to feeding raw. I know you guys are super knowledgeable. Thoughts? And I want to preface, or I want to start with saying, you don't know what you don't know. So here are the experts. I, I maybe you can weigh on weigh in on this too, but it's weird to me the whole digesting of the proteins. I mean, I would think the easiest way for a dog to digest proteins would be in in the unadulterated form, you know, with with the enzymes present as well. So I don't know why that's an excuse not to feed raw. That's more of an argument to feed raw, right. you know, in my eyes, but. I don't know. I when I hear this, I, I just it's it sounds like a really inflamed dog to me. You know, it's going through a lot of inflammation, and so obviously, you know, you know, my belief that kibble is is definitely fueling that that inflammation. So definitely, you know, from my angle, I'm not a vet, right? So, but I I, I like to try to prevent things from happening. So my, you know, this is where I think raw food is so good because it is such an anti-inflammatory diet, and it is supporting the whole body. Sometimes raw diet's not enough to heal the dog completely and, and get rid of their allergies and all these other other things going on. But at least it, it gives them the base. It gets them. It gives their it, their their gut is healthy. You're giving them the foundation of their health, and then you can kind of work from there. It's also interesting to me that the Apoquil, 
the apricot was started and then they started getting these cysts. I try to avoid apricot. <laughs> I don't like apricot, <laughs> but I understand the use for it. Like we had talked about, yeah. like, I, I think it's, it is important sometimes to make sure that the dog is, is comfortable, you know, right. why it kind of buys you time to figure it out. I guess why I have such a, a problem with it is I see a lot of dogs that are just on it like chronically. And I'm like, man, like it's just, cause it's an immunosuppressant. Right. And so it's, it's allowing other things to happen and it's not really supporting the dog, but yeah, um, it, it's not really, it can be any very potent immunosuppressant in, yeah. in the rare occasion, but, and, and, and we'll use it occasionally and I'll, I'll use steroids occasionally, but mm -hmm. it's just to try to get relief until we can get the other stuff Certainly. working. Cause it does take time and you gotta yeah. be patient with it. Right. As far as the proteins go, I don't look at it as, as an issue of digestion of protein. I think it, I mean, even raw food, you have to pick your protein. If you sure, have a sure. dog that's got an issue with chicken, you're not going to just go and get the, the raw chicken. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to have to pick, still pick the protein because the protein, uh, the protein itself could be allergenic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to me, that doesn't hold a lot of water that, I mean, I, I don't, honestly, I don't see a whole lot of animals that do great on those hydrolyzed proteins. Yeah. Just because well, they're great for us because what happens is, is people, <laughs> the dog, it doesn't help their dogs. And so they come right. in uh, if, and asking for help, like this isn't working. You right. know what I mean, and they've tried everything else in that. So we're kind of, it stays, but we're like their last ditch effort, you know? Now, do you ever but, tell people, uh, when they're starting that because you're going to such a high amount of protein that you may have to add in acid? Like we'll add in Zypan a lot of times from standard process or some other betaine hydrochloride products. We used to go sometimes if I have a otherwise healthy puppy, young dog, yeah. healthy dog, I'm actually a really big component of just, or proponent of, of just doing the cold Turkey. I mean, if they, in my, in my mind, I'm like, if they, if they can process extremely ultra processed pellets of carbohydrates, I'm sure they can process this. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, if you have an, if you have an older dog or a dog that's a little behind in health and I'm like, yeah, we'll just, we'll start slow. Maybe we'll do goat milk for three or four days and then start slowly adding in some raw food. And sometimes people don't go all the way raw. They'll just stick with 20%. I have a lot of people that do that, you know, or, or half. Sometimes people like to do raw in the morning and kibble at night kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think raw food has always got to be the basis or, or, or at least homemade you know, getting away from that processed stuff, getting the yeah. carbohydrates low, getting the moisture content better. Yeah. You may find you have to rotate because if you have a leaky gut, mm -hmm. you can put them on one diet. And then after a period of time, could be weeks or months, all of a sudden they're having issues again. Then you got to rotate all over again to something different. But if it's an intolerance, you'll be able to, if you stay off of that food for a period of time, a lot of times you can cycle back. Yeah. I, so you bring up a good point because I think with raw food, you can, um, you know, you hear the elimination diets, right. And you're, you're trying to cycle through all these, okay, this, this kibble is not working. So let's try this kibble, you know, this kibble. And it's like, I, I think there's so many flaws in that because there's, you know, there's 50 ingredients in that kibble. I don't know why it's always, it's always pointed to protein, but why isn't all these synthetics? Like, could it right. be one of the synthetics that they're having an issue with? Oh, or absolutely. It could yeah. be the carbohydrates they're having, you know, or, you know, these, these pet food companies actually have a year to change their label. So there might be chicken in that recipe. You just don't, it's not on the bag, you know, but they have a year to change their, their packaging. So. Yeah, Gene Dodds told me that there was a report, you know, Gene Dodds out in California. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she, she told me there was a report in the AVMA journal that said 40% of the diets out there have other proteins. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. With, they're only made in a certain number of factories, and then 
and they just say, this is what you want, we want you to make, and then right. they make it for it, and then who's right. the cigar they're going to clean it out? Right, exactly. The, that's a good and point. I'm that's guessing not. I mean, you know, they're using rendered meats and, and um, things like that. Change the food. Come to Fangs and Fur. Yeah. Change to raw. Go see Dr. Carlson. <laughs> do you guys do teledocs, teledoctor? Do you guys do that yet? No. No. Okay. Just for people. I, I got to see the patient. I yeah, I get that. Get my hands on them. And I get that. See them. Yeah, there is a website uh, you can find, like, holistic vets. Yeah, you can do the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. Okay. And you can do Oh, you know what? TCVM. Do you know there's a holistic vet with your same name? Yes. Yeah. I met him. One of my best oh, friends. Oh, no kidding? One of my best friends was a rep for Butler when Butler okay. was still around. Yeah. And he was his his um, customer. Oh, okay. So he, oh, he introduced us. Yeah, because oh, I was starting to get blood work for his patients. Oh, okay. And we'd, we'd look in the computers like, we don't have this, this patient. Right. They inputted this <laughs> And then we looked yeah. and said Springfield because he was in Springfield yeah. at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's really uncanny. Yeah, he wears I was glasses, he's blonde hair. He's, he's, yeah. yeah, I was reading all about him last night. Yeah. That's funny. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly, professional team and offer conventional as well as integrative medical options like acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, stem cell therapy and PRP, and more. Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, and Facebook to learn more about us. So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com. Or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Can't wait yeah. to do it again soon. Fun. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.